Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say It Loud Network presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. I always tell my kids, no one gets to make you upset, no one gets to make you cry, and no one ever gets to make you feel any less of who you are, right? Like no one challenges your worth. And when they do, this is how you handle it. And I think it's just helping them feel empowered to flip it back on someone at an age appropriate way. I have to thank today's guest, Kimberly Henderson, Senior Brand Manager at Johnson & Johnson, airing today's beauty report. So let's look at the numbers. It's 2021, and according to recent figures, we are far from living in an equal and inclusive world. Consider this. Women lead only 10 of 195 countries and represent just 25% of parliaments worldwide. Only 8% of Fortune 500 companies are run by women. Women hold just 17% of board seats worldwide. Only 1% of C-suite leaders are Black women. Because of COVID-19 and the caregiving burden, women are experiencing physical symptoms of stress and burnout at up to two times the rate of men. As a result, one in four women are considering downshifting or leaving the workforce altogether. Globally, women are paid 23% less. Women's job loss rate due to COVID-19 is 80% higher than men. There's definitely actions that we can take to help change these numbers, to change the conversation, and to shift the narrative. One, call out microaggressions. If you see a woman struggling to make her voice heard in a conversation, tell the rest of the group, let's give her a chance. Let's let her speak her piece. Two, amplify the accomplishments of women. It's called shine theory, which follows the simple premise that I don't shine if you don't shine. It helps everyone win. And three, mentor and sponsor women. If you're more senior, go beyond offering advice and use your influence to advocate for others. Sponsorship is a great way for women leaders to pay it forward and help other women. So let's all remember to support each other, to call out things that aren't right, and to help amplify the accomplishments of women so that we can continue to increase those numbers in the workforce. And with that, let's get Kimberly Henderson on the show. So Kim, oh my gosh, welcome to Business of the Beat. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is, I feel like it's um, it's a long time coming. We were introduced by our good friend, Farah, who was like, you guys need to know each other. You guys need to know each other. And then it was COVID. So we kind of got lost in <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Multiple times. I felt like we were coming back and they were like, Oh wait, it's still here. And like, it's still here. So yeah, it's going to happen real soon. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I I can't wait. We'll just like hit up Culver city hotel. We'll leave the kids behind because they'll be doing their thing again. And you know, it'll be a great time. So, okay. Everyone, Kimberly works at Johnson and Johnson, where she leads strategic initiatives across the skin health portfolio for brands that we all know and love that I use every day, Neutrogena, Aveeno, Clean and Clear, and Lubiderm. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and three kids. And Kim, you and I both have six-year-olds. Yeah, I know. I mean, between the two of us, we have three six-year-olds, so it's it's real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's like six is such an interesting age, and I think it's been 
even more interesting in COVID because my daughter, she's just at that age where she's like, knows that I'm working. It's like, they knew we were working, but they didn't see us working. Mm-hmm. And so their awareness is just, it's so amplified. <laughs> and there's so many questions that come with it, right? So yes, so many questions. And, and I've been trying not to use this term um, of work shaming, but I will. I will use that term, not in a mean way, right? But in more of like a mommy, you're still working. I'm like, well, that's because it's 12. And it's like, you still working. 12 noon. Yeah. yeah. 12 noon. <laughs> I'm, and, I, and I'm trying to explain. And then it's like four. And I'm like, nope, day's, day's not quite over yet. Like, and it's like, I'm like, this is, this is the work day. And it's like work day. They just, no. There's no comprehension. And it's like, you want to like, they see you here. So like, well, then they also feel like it's free reign. I don't know about you, but mine just like open any door to any meeting. And I'm just like, and you just have to go with it. Like there's nothing. It is what it is. I've literally embraced it in the best way that I can because I've had every possible scenario happen. So (laughs) it's, well, the best is when, because they're on their virtual school, they know how to work the technology. So I literally had to present on this zoom. It was like 72 people and I presented and then there were other people. And so I turned off my video to go and get something. And I literally, um, got a text message and they were like, your daughter is on the zoom. And I was like, what is happening? She literally had turned the zoom on. Not only was she participating, but she had her note, her little like sketch pad and was like taking notes. Like it was just all too much. And then everyone knows that you're clearly not participating the way you're supposed to be because you would have seen your child. (laughs) Oh my God. Listen, that's too many scrolls on a zoom. Like there's too many people to scroll through. That's so funny. Wait, is she kindergarten or first grade? Based on her, she's Kinder. Birthday. Her birthday is in yeah. December. Okay, yeah, same here. So yeah, Kinder and COVID is also a whole other conversation. Oh, so oh yeah. my gosh, I, this morning you. I was literally like, she was sitting there and she was eating, and they first of all, I'm like, if one more, if we get one more note from the principal, like, and I get it, like everyone is doing their best, but like they're not allowed to eat and they have to have their videos on. So I'm like, here, I'm about to get another note. There's no, she's literally had video off and was eating. And I said, no, you can't eat. Mommy's going to get a note. And she was like, no, my video's off. I was like, ah, no, you can't eat and not have the video on. Like double whammy, double whammy. Oh, mine just now we're dealing with, I mean, they're happy to have their video on because they treat it like it's a YouTube sketch. And it's, I, I got the email that was like, see your daughter's video below. Like, and, and good fun. And like literally after she did her, like whatever she was supposed to do for the assignment, she literally said, and I quote, don't forget to, to subscribe on that like yes. button below. <laughs> and like, I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Oh so we had a long talk about, you know, school versus YouTube of a YouTube channel you'll never own. So yeah, we, we've been there too. So I will Kim. take over pretending it's a YouTube channel any day at this point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, so we are going to get the kids together and we're going to create a YouTube channel. I don't, and I'm, as a mom, I can't like as a working mom. And as we get into this, I can't, I feel so bad. Like she takes the, the tripod and creates her own thing. And it's like, hi, Hey guys. And then she does the thing. Don't forget to like, and subscribe. And so I'm like, before COVID, we weren't even in like, I'm like, Oh no. Right. They have a whole new vocabulary. And I, I, I'm sure if she was here, she'd be so sad. I got it wrong. It was smash that like button below. Mm. Like, so they are legit. I mean, she has a tri- she got a tripod for Christmas and like the remote control. They now have an iPod, so they have they understand lighting and like all this stuff. But I'm like, we've created oh. monsters. I love the ambition, but I'm like, again, <laughs> you're sick. Well, one of my friends told me that her daughter, and this is like a you know like a an entertainment friend, and um, that her daughter told her that she wanted to be a YouTuber. Now, this is like somebody who's like super big in the industry and was literally like, yeah, she said she wants to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like super young. It's, it's yeah. So we can, we can continue that conversation. Right. <laughs> That'll be our Culver City drinks. And I'll be like, so we just literally cleared 
seven figures from our kids' YouTube channel, oh, Mom. Let's go to if the that islands. Happens, then maybe I will, yeah, exactly. I will have a different conversation. Yeah, I won't be so, so jaded. Yeah, we'll be momagers. Okay, so I'm so excited because this is a great segue into your role and into why I was so excited to having you here because the goal for Business of the Beat podcast is to really look through the lens of black, brown, BIPOC executives, mm. both running their own companies, starting their own companies and being executives in a company. Like I like to say that I have the mindset of an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur because I love that. both worlds and to make our industry work, we need both. And we need the Kims inside, like protecting our interests, having our voice and you work for the most visible brands in the world. So tell us about your your journey to really being the senior brand manager at J&J. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I went to business school because I love marketing and I love storytelling. And so for me, I just had this passion for like growing brands. And you know, when I was in college, I always thought marketing was like advertising, right? The big advertising companies and that was marketing and then had a whole eye-opening experience. And so I actually, you know, went back to school for it. I actually worked at Unilever for almost eight years, like to really hone like the craft of it all. And it was an amazing experience working across like our foods, brands and ice cream to our personal care brands and just understanding the nuances of consumers and you know, really getting into it. And, you know, once we made the move to the West Coast, I joined Neutrogena and I've always worked under the franchise umbrella. So really looking to your point of like, what are those insights and claims and like, what does our pipeline really look like? So make sure that we have, you know, a representative portfolio of products for all consumers. And so, you know, you think you're doing your job and I always used to remember that, okay, here's our general market plan and here's our Hispanic plan and here's our AAA plan. And you take a step back and like, wait, but if we're doing marketing right, we just have a plan, right? It's just mm -hmm. one plan. You don't need all these different nuances and you don't really think about it. And truly, truly, it didn't really come to light our opportunities to be better in this space until everything that happened last summer, as you can imagine. Right. And when you're seeing day after day yes. of things happening in the world around us, I think it caused a lot of companies to really do a lot of self-reflection. Right. Mm -hmm. Are we not even just doing enough, but are we a brand that people like look to as a good representative sample, honestly? And I salute J&J &J because we, we took a hard look at ourselves and realized like we have a lot of growth to do in this space and a lot of learning to do. And, you know, a lot of people sat back and it's like, well, what does that look like? If we, we can talk about it all we want to, or we can put, you know, an action into place. And that's exactly what we did. So we really approached it like, how do we better innovate for inclusivity? Right? How do we debunk and demystify, you know, our products and how do we talk to these consumers? And through a lot of social listening and just like consumer sentiment, we learned that we are we are not where we should be in terms of how we talk about our products, how we um, go to market with our products, right? You know, who's the face and telling the stories of our brands. So we've done a lot of work in terms of just looking holistically around how we innovate for inclusivity and, and where we start there. And so I think for us, we realized that we had an opportunity as like the leadership in skincare to really pave the way for a more inclusive beauty industry and really putting our money where our mouth is to make sure that we, we have a portfolio of skin products that represent all consumers. And you know, really leaning into what does it mean to innovate for multicultural, right? I know the new name is yes. BIPOC. So we did a lot of things in terms of looking at our claims and how we show up. We look at talent strategy. Um, we, you know, completely revamping our purpose work to make sure that we are, a, you know, for all skin types, right? Like we resonate for all consumers. And I think one of the most proud that I'm super passionate about and it's one of those bigger skin health initiatives that I'm leading is like we formed this BIPOC advisory council. So it's basically an internal group of BIPOC employees because at the day we're still consumers. And so how do we get this round table together to help arm our category leads with those insights? What What's the intel? What are the competitive landscapes that we should be assessing? And it's not all these big BIPOC box brands anymore. It's these smaller brands who have come to fruition because there is a white space in the opportunity that is currently being unmet. So, you know, there's a lot of passion work that I'm doing around 
really galvanizing this team and having the, the leads bring to us. Like, what do you think of this packaging? Does it speak to you? What do you think of this claim? Is it too overt? Like, how do you think of, you know, we know our number one skin concerns are hyperpigmentation and tone, but that's not, we don't want it to be brightening. We want tone. We don't want brightening. So how do we show up with tone language versus brightening to appeal to our consumer when we walk through the aisle? And so we've just been able to get this great group where it's like a roundtable discussion. It's like quick fire questions, you know, that gut feel to really shape our innovations before they even get to market. So, you know, we're still constantly learning and growing in this space, but I really am proud of the work that we're doing to start to address how our brands show up um, for all consumers. Well, and it's so great. Thank you for sharing all of that, because oh. I think you know, we read so much and about what's happening. What are, you know, what are the big holding companies doing? How are they leading the charge? How are they making change? And we look to brands like J&J because they are the biggest, they're the household names, they're the leaders. And so no more can brands kind of sit on the sideline and not take a stance at the, at the highest levels. Like I know, you know, even and because you came from Unilever, like we do so much, I do so much with them. And it's this brand by brand approach, but it has to come from the top. Like, I love how you talk about the leads and saying, we're going to have this BIPOC council. We're not going to rely on, you know, one person. I think so many of the brands and I've gotten so, so, oh, yeah. had so many conversations, like finding the black person on the team and you were going to lead, you know, D and every and person's going to come to you. Exactly. Right. Yes. Like every person's going to come to you and you're supposed to be the end all be all. First of all, that pressure is too high. Right. Yes. But if you don't need an end of one, you need an end of many like to yes. really understand all age groups, all dynamics, all mm -hmm. skin types to really like understand where the, the opportunities are. It is. It's so true. I, I remember being having this big conversation about the diaspora and mm. like black people. And like, it's like, guys, we, you know, it's across, it's across, it's across the field in all races in terms of you can't pull one person to represent that. And so the approach of saying, we're going to have a council, we may not know all the answers, but I'm telling you this, that between the collective brains that come together to look at the packaging, to have that second eye, because I, I've also found, and I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, you know, depending upon your age, and this is not an excuse because I think that it's across the board with all the movements that are happening, but depending upon your age, cancel culture has such a different oh. connotation depending upon how you started in the industry, like I started in New York and at a PR agency. And you know what I'm saying? That, and in fashion, come on. I remember oh, my every box leading. you're checking right now. Yes. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, gosh. I, I guess I was cringing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cringing. Exactly. Yes. yes, girl. So it's like, and so it's such a different time. And so I, I even feel like sometimes I'm jaded, not even from a cultural bias perspective, but also just because of what I experienced and having to retrain, relearn, educate myself and listen. Like, I'll be like, I should probably just not speak because I don't understand what people are upset about. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and it's, and it's a real feeling that we're all feeling and it doesn't matter what your race is because people are getting canceled left and right. For everything, for everything, right? Like you're really scared to like do anything anymore because that's where people feel like we have to just like shut it off and that like doesn't exist anymore versus having the conversation. At least I'm open to having the conversation, right? I think that's where you learn and get the different points yes. of view, but we're just so quick to like nip it in the bud. But it's also hard because consumers have such a voice now. There's so yes. many outlets that consumers can, you know, drag your brand through the mud, really give a, you know, pick you apart. Like everything that you do, they can just pick you apart without really trying to understand the narrative that you were trying to convey. And so it's just like a lot of people just walk on eggshells because there's just so many avenues now where, you know, consumers are so intimately involved and people are making a career out of it, which is actually quite frightening. Well, and even you said early on about understanding the nuances of consumers. 
And I think it fits into what you're saying. Like it, it, it is so nuanced because everybody has a mouthpiece. Like people used to say to me, like, do you think influencers are going away? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Influencers will never go away. By definition, an influencer is someone who can persuade, direct, encourage you to take an action. So no, it's not going away. And all we're doing is giving more platforms, more channels, (laughs) more voices. (laughs) To them. Yes. And how do you, because especially, you know, from a brand management perspective, how do you leverage consumers and insights to help direct, not just the product, but even just the brand's positioning? I think it's everything, right? It's always rooted in something, right? So I think it's, it starts with an insight. It starts with a white space opportunity. And then it's how you tell that story. How do you make it relevant? How do you just really, you know, amplify the message in the right way? And I think a lot of that's making sure you do it in the right channels at the right cadence. But I think at the core of it, it always comes back to the insight. And is it really rooted in something? And do you truly understand the consumer need in the ask? And I think that's, what consumers want in their products. They're like, does this brand get me? They, you know, that they understand that the problem I'm trying to address or the issue I'm trying to enhance, right? And I think when you're able to captivate them with the right language, the right look and feel, the right product yes. portfolio, that's what gets you, you know, influencers talking about you. And you want the influence that are authentic to your brand. And I think we're also seeing this thing right now because of COVID and the high awareness of efficacy and things working is how do we leverage those professionals as well? Like professionals are also influencers and how do you amp up that platform for them to also tell your story so that it's other people speaking to your consumer and not just you, which I feel like can get really old and tiring um, for a lot of consumers at the end of the day. So it's really empowering all the different avenues of which we can amplify the message in the best way in the most relevant way to our consumers. I love that empowering all the different avenues. And, and I think too, even when you said like using the consumers as a way to tell the story, because that's community, right? Like we can't be the voice for everything. And so how do we empower them, but in a nuanced way to where they're feeling empowered, but we're guiding them just enough to get the right message point out there as and that's exactly it it's like the empowerment and the education right like how do you like really bring them along and really let them feel ingrained and i feel like that unleashes like a whole avenue of how people can speak about your brand and recommend your brand and i think that's what's really powerful well and two you know so much of it um i think we it's so funny with clubhouse you know like Mm -hmm. clubhouse so i literally um, co-host this beauty and culture and wellness room. And we talk so much about the fact that like how many more skincare brands can we have? Right. And like, we want to democratize the space. The barrier to entry is so low. And so at the end of the day, if we're looking at a sea of same, same, same there, we're going back to grassroots of marketing and consumers and ambassadors. And that doesn't mean that we're saying go pay you know, all this money to have influencers. We're talking about just pure play, grassroots, get your brand out there, tell the story, the most compelling, powerful, organic story to the right people, because we have to figure out how to differentiate. And you guys have been leaders for so long. So what does that look like for you? Even when you talk about like the awareness, how do you even differentiate with all the newness? Yeah. And I think it's like taking a look because there are so many brands that are popping up. It's almost like hard to keep track. Like if you just start to, you know, look at all the different from sun care to hair care, makeup, it is, it is wild. And I think what we take an assessment of is like, okay, do we have something in our portfolio that we can pivot and address, right? Is there an opportunity to amplify messaging on something we've already have? Because we are rooted in science. And so there's a lot of work, a lot of science that goes into manufacturing any of our, our products. And maybe there's an opportunity to bring out the, the message of, you know, we just launched stubborn acne marks and we realize there's a nugget here of like tone is such a big issue with acne in, in black consumers. And so how do we showcase that better of what this stubborn marks product delivers in terms of treating it, but in the aftermath of the, the dark spots that are left behind, right? So how do we better 
bring out and, uh, you know, make our communication a little bit more cohesive, but more importantly, like we don't have all the answers. Right. And I think what's more authentic for us is we acknowledge that and we look at opportunities to either invest, partner, collaborate with those brands who do, or, you know, who have been able to make inroads, um, with, I like to call them like, I hate saying this word, but like cult fallings because they've been able to tap into something, whether it's an ingredient, a technology, um, a product name that has really yeah. resonated. Ooh. And so mm-hmm. how do you then realize, okay, like I don't want to be a me too. I want to make what I have bigger. So we are always open to looking at those opportunities because I think that just shows us that we're in touch with all the work that's being done in this space and recognizing you know, collaborating with, you know, black owned businesses who really, really get it to help support that messaging. So I think that's for us fundamental and at its core is like, we recognize we don't have all the answers and that's okay. And, but we're, we'll work to get them. I, uh, and, and I think that's the hardest thing for brands, especially the big brands, right? Whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you're talking about a J and J, a PNG, Unilever, L'Oreal, it's much harder to say we don't have all the answers because you're supposed to be the leaders, yeah. right? And so, you know, I kind of liken it to, to being a founder. It's like, I have to lead my team. Yeah. I can't be wishy-washy about the direction or like I can't instill confidence that like I've got it. And we have to have the moments of vulnerability where it's like, oh, I'm trying to figure this out and I don't know and I need your help. And what do you want to do? What does everybody in the company want to do? So I think to your point, Kendra, that's such a good point. But like, yes. what I've learned is like, there's so many ways to lead, right? Like yes. you used to like come in thinking there's like one way to lead and it's like dominance and like, that's what it is. I mean, it has been eye opening just from brand to brand that I go to, like there's so many different ways to lead because there's so many different ways to market, right? Like right. I went from working on suave hair care at that at the time was the number one brand in the category. And then I shifted when I came back from maternity leave working on Dove Hair, which was part of a bigger master brand of which hair was a nice to have, honestly. So you just approach that marketing tactic very differently. So I think when you're open to understanding like what the hurdles are, what the question you're trying to answer, that will then help shape your strategy. That will help propel you into growth and leadership potential. And, and you know, being open to that, I think that's what makes people strong marketers and companies strong companies. Well, and, and even when you touch upon that, like, you know, making companies good in terms of leadership, I mean, how, especially being in this massive company, being a black woman, having mm-hmm. such an esteemed career, going to graduate school, like what does leadership look like for you now? And where do you see the opportunities for you and your career and, and, and where you want to grow? Yeah, I think it's making it personal. It's like making sure that you're with a company that aligns to your values, your mission statement as a person. And like, you know, making sure that, you know, for me, it's like giving back and doing good. And I want to make sure that the work I am doing is always at my personal mantra to be able to do that. And so as long as I'm able to, you know, be fulfilled by my work and feel like I'm doing the best for those in the community, I feel like that's what gets me excited every day. And so I feel like as long as I'm on that trajectory, those are the jobs I want. Those are the jobs I look for. And just, you know, being really passionate about making something bigger than myself and, you know, and oh giving access to, right. It's, it's, I never would have seen myself coming out of undergrad. Like this is where I would be. It's working on these iconic brands. Like I remember yes. when I got my internship at Unilever, it was on Dove. And I remember calling my mom, like, can you believe this? Like I grew up with Dove and I was like, <laughs> I've reached the pinnacle. (laughs) I mean, we were both just laughing, like thinking about it because I was just like, I got that assignment. I was like, Oh my God, Dove, like, this is it. This is it. Right. And it was just, it got me so excited. So it's like when I work on brands that have such a strong mission statement and what they stand for so good at the core, that's what's exciting. And, you know, I continue to be fulfilled in my role doing that. You know, it's so funny that you talk about that, you know, and fulfillment. And I remember I was at the agency and I like Reebok was my client actually. And I had gone oh, to wow. the big, it was so much fun. We launched Allen Iverson. I mean, we were there in the heyday of Diddy's Justin restaurant and all that. And <laughs> oh, gosh. it was just great. And so I had gone to, um, Reebok had this big conference and everybody, you know, all the agencies came in, all the employees, all the talent. 
and everyone's wearing Reebok. And I was like, I want to go in house. I want to, you know, have this day. And, you know, shortly thereafter, I got recruited to go to Ralph Lauren and I was the first director of digital media. And to your point, as you were listening, I'm like, yes, because it's such an iconic brand. And I, my whole family was wearing Ralph Lauren. I'm wearing Ralph Lauren. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I arrived. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it's that same moment. Like, I used to just send home boxes and boxes and like, and, and then to your point, it becomes like, how am I fulfilled? Like, how do I keep moving forward, you know, these iconic brands. And you're fortunate because you can be an iconic brand and still not have all the answers, right? And so the iconic brands are the ones who need it because they've always had to be a certain way. And so then it becomes, how do we evolve? How do we move forward? And then personally, because, you know, and, and, and for you, like on my side, I had a founder who went to work every day. I mean, Ralph was there. He was at everything. And when you have a brand and you don't necessarily have that person, then so much of the people who are running the brands, your personal gets infused, right? And so it's such an interesting when you talk about it and you say bigger than myself, like it has to be or you don't move forward, right? Yeah. It gives you like a bigger purpose, right? Like I am, and I am a problem solver. Like I like to think about that. And like, if I'm being challenged, but being championed and supported, like it makes just that much more worthwhile. And I'm always like thinking, you know, I had a boss that told me, he's like, you always think about your next role. You always do. Cause it makes you better in your current role. Right. So like when you think about your next role, what does it take you to get to your next role? And you're going to do that amount of work to get to your next world. So it's like, it allows you that holistic thinking of like, what's my end game and how does this get me to my end game so that I'm continuing to up the ante for myself. I think that's the best, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten when I look at my career. Wow. What's my end game? Oh my gosh. And you know what? I love that because it doesn't mean that you're one foot out the door. By no, any ever. means. Yes. And I, I hadn't heard it in that way, which is so smart because I think, you know, and it's such an interesting thing between when we talk about Gen Z and millennials and the boomers and the da, 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 da. But at all phases, you have to feel championed and supported. And I do feel like this generation of people, they want that. And it pushes us who didn't necessarily have that to want to do better. Like yep. to want to do better. And, and it's like, meet me on the other side. And like, what do you need to feel championed and supported? Cause unfortunately I have so much going on that it's not that I don't care. I honestly need to know, like, what do you need? Do you need a happy yeah. hour? Do you need a day off? But like, meet me and tell me because it's like in our core as humans, you know, we yep. want to champion and support people, but in the and day, it shows day up different life, for everyone. Yes, girl. Yes. 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 It mm-hmm. shows up very different for everyone. So unless you know what motivates people, you can never be an effective leader, in my opinion, because it's just like, you have to really spend the time. And, you know, I don't take people management lightly at all because you want to like help that person too, but you also have to know what motivates them, what excites them and mm-hmm. give them that work or autonomy or reward to have them coming to work and then being in it with you every single day as well. And it's so interesting too, because it's not always just monetary, right? No, it's no. not, it's so many other things. It's like, I always say the work is the work. The hardest thing is like the people management, the human capital that goes into going to work every day. Every single time. I know. I we I tell people all the time, I'm like, you just take a mental health day. Like this full stop. Like I'm a huge proponent of that. Like it's no sense. We have one light. Like there's no sense of burning yourself out or being stressed. And so when you get to that point, you just take a mental health day. It's like yeah. you do what you need to do that day just to step back and regroup. And you know, I try and model that same behavior that I want my team to like embrace. And just because you're like, I need to tap out for a day, it doesn't make you any less or hard of a worker. It's just like I just need to take a break, regroup and get my energy back. And that's, and that's okay. And I think that has to be demystified at a huge level right now because people just work to the point where they just like go, 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 go all the time. And it's just like, and I think honestly COVID has like opened that door for me. And it's like, my kids are eight and six. Like this is like the prime of their life where they need me. And so that is a trade-off I'm okay to make to be like, 
I'm going to work later at night and then shut it down for a little bit to spend that time with them. Because you think about before all of this, I saw them for like an hour a day. Right. And then you, you look up and I'm like, I literally got a picture on my phone and it showed me like three years ago when my daughter was three. And I'm like, wow, that was three years ago. Like, and I don't want to miss the next three. Like I didn't miss it, but I'm just like, I want to be there for all those moments and that I've always committed to, but it's just like, I'm okay to be like, I will get up on this call to have a 6 a.m. meeting so that I can drive them to school or, you know, it's like making those sacrifices. And I think when you model that behavior, it motivates your team around you. And that's, I mean, how I personally feel. Oh my gosh. That, that's so helpful. Like, especially modeling a behavior, because I think what I've had to do, and I was always the one, um, like whenever I was in corporate and I had, you know, I've, I've started my own companies since 2009, 2010. And so it's been such an interesting evolution because I think I was scarred. Like I was like, I hate reviews. I don't ever want to do or I want to yes. get feedback. Oh, I do. I have like a pain in my stomach too. Yes. Like, oh my God. You start to think of everything you did wrong. And my husband's always like, think about all the good things you did. Right. I'm like, no, no, it's just all the bad things. Right. Yes. Like, it's just like, that's what that, comes first. That's what comes that is it exactly because I my feedback consistently was about sending emails at all hours of the night and it started when I was junior but that's how my boss was and so I was trained in this like way to always be on and especially in PR like you oh. had to read all the magazines you had to do all the stuff then you couldn't leave till your boss left and so it was always, and I'm like, but wait, why am I the email? So even the, the higher I got in my career, like the youngest VP, all these things. And it was always like the feedback from your team is like the emails. And I just unapologetically, I'm like, well, then just don't answer them. Like, I'm not gonna, do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not the email. I was about to say something that again, that's not appropriate. I'm not <laughs> like the email czar where I'm just like, okay, if I send you an email, I need, I actually don't want you to email. The reason I like to get up at 5 a.m. is because I don't want anyone else talking to me. I want to get out all my emails and get done. But if you start emailing me back, you've actually ruined my morning. Yeah. Because so, I don't want to, just for me to get it out of my inbox. Yes, my, yes. exactly. <laughs> I'm not telling you to do what I do. And I think that that's where it's just like helping people meeting each person where they are. Right. And not saying that like we model the behavior in terms of, I need a mental health day. I need to take a step back, but everybody functions at such a different capacity. And I feel like that is so important. Like my capacity is different from your capacity, which is why we have different roles. And like, let's acknowledge that, but let's not create this thing of like, keep up and catch up because we all can't be doing that. We all have a role to play. And then each person needs a mental health check or a day differently even at all stages of our lives. Like my, one of someone on the team always teases me when I'm like, I'm a single parent today because there's so many nuances and like, I can be a single parent, but somebody else can have something else going on. And so our days may be off. Right. And so I think so much of it is, is also this notion of empathy, like modifying empathy, regrouping and talking. And I think your point, you make a really good point. It's also communicating. Like just cause I send that email at, 9 p.m. You don't have to answer, but that's like what works for me, right? At that moment, because I'm just trying to clean my inbox, right? Like if it's urgent and pressing, trust me, you will get a phone call, right? But it's not. <laughs> and I always have to tell myself at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I, I do. I'm, I'm so happy to have a job. But I still sell skincare products. Like I have to put that in perspective that not everything's on fire, right? And so you just tell your team that like, this is the hours that work for me. And I know they're not ideal, but I do not expect for you to answer that email ever. Right. right? right. So, and it's just to your point, communicating that and having that transparency, I think without it, it goes unsaid. And so then there's that agita and that angst where I feel like I have to like, Oh, every time I see a, an email from Kindred, that's the one I have to answer before anything else. It's like, Nope, just acknowledge it. And at least send me back the thorough response versus just like, again, thinking I need the response. So, oh, oh my God, really we, good point. 
We should do a whole clubhouse room about the email response. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I get like the etiquette, but don't reply. Like sometimes you don't need a thank you. Just be like, nope. (laughs) Like everyone. Or next time I talk to you, I just weave into conversation. Right. (laughs) And it's so funny because like I go so quickly on email that sometimes I have to go back. I'm like, there is not one punctuation. It was one (laughs) long, long run on sentence. Right. Like, and I'm like, but it was a thought at the top of my mind, but it was just like, people are probably reading this being like, what is like, how do I even like decode this? Because <laughs> legit one long run on sentence. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell me just in terms of you, you clearly have really created such a space at J and J for communication for the BIPOC council. And even just in terms of like your own fulfillment and how you're moving yourself forward and progressing, what are the things that you were just excited about and committed to? Cause you mentioned giving and, and giving back and, and doing something, you know, bigger than yourself. So what does that look like and how does that show up for you, especially now? Yeah, I think it's, um, just the importance of cultural culture and different cultures and what does that really mean and really understanding that. And I think we talk a lot about at J&J right now is addressing like in health disparities, like having the acknowledgement that not everyone has access that we think they do to understand and get educated around, you know, skin cancer or how to treat acne or, you know, really what is, how can they leverage the role of a derm or someone within the healthcare industry? So you know, and I, I want to empower my, I think back to like by 10, I was volunteering in a hospital because my mom just wanted me to have and understand that like everyone's path is so different and you should be grateful for yours, but be grateful enough that you're able to help others. Right. So that's kind of where I am right now in life, like very empathetic in terms of the world around us and that so many people are hurting and that, you know, I've been so fortunate and blessed in my upbringing, but not others have, but how do I let that you know, lend itself to something greater for others. Right. And, you know, I think this Thanksgiving, I already told my kids, I was like, Oh yeah, you're going to really one, understand the value of a dollar, but two, like, you know, when they, when we make dinner and they're like, yeah, I'm not eating this. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. and I remember being like, I'm never going to be like this. I'm never going to tell my kids like the things that my parents would say to me, but I'm like, there are literally people in the world who would be beyond grateful. So how do you build that awareness in the next generation. And I think that's for me is like, how do I get my kids to understand? And, you know, they are very sweet and empathetic, but really beyond the bubble that we live in, in LA and their LA private school to understand that not everywhere in the world is like this. And you're going to meet people who are from a very different upbringing and how you treat them and respect them and help others. And so I feel like if we can do that and model that behavior and give that to the younger generations, I feel like our world will be a better place versus all the violence that are the first 15 minutes of every news broadcast. Yeah. You know, I really that's like my that. mother Teresa moment, but I, I, I love your mother Teresa moment because I, I really, it is, it is hard as a parent to figure out the balance, right. And yeah. what you're saying. And it's just like, and, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to be that mom was like, eat everything on your plate. And then it's like, you know, we're driving and there's homeless people having the conversation about homeless people and, and all the, all the nuances of that. And like our office is in downtown LA. And so every time we go, it's just that, it's that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's trying not to scare them in terms of scarcity, scarcity so that they're, but it is, and it's, and it's figuring out the moments to really make it be more about us. And like, I love that you said, go beyond the bubble. Like, how do we make sure as people that we go beyond the bubble in all areas of our life? Right. Yeah. And so, I know. It felt like the summer, like to your point, I was like, I think I like, overdid it. Cause like we were like putting dinner, you know, on the table and my daughter was like, I don't like pink, which I secretly love. Cause she's just like such a little like, she's a <laughs> rough and tumble little girl. And I remember being like, we don't say color. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just a plate, right? Like, I want to, like, make sure it's, like, methodical and, like, well done. Um, but I do. I think it's just, like, having those conversations and understanding. And right now I'm all about just, like, positive affirmations, like, especially with my boys, right? Like, getting those books. Like, their entire Christmas reading thing was, like, 
you know, hair love, ambitious girl, why I matter. And I just want them to go into the world and have that confidence, but also know how to protect themselves. When someone says something to them that they don't agree with, how do you handle yourself in that situation? And how do you as a person educate that person in the right way? Yes. And I think to me, if I can do that, I feel like I would have done my job as a parent, but it is a hard lesson for them to understand. But like, I always tell my kids, no one gets to make you upset. No one gets to make you cry. And no one ever gets to make you feel any less than who you are, right? Like no one challenges your worth. And when they do, this is how you handle it. And I think it's just helping them feel empowered to flip it back on someone at an age appropriate way. Wow. No one has the right to challenge that and to challenge your worth and your value. That is so powerful. We all need positive affirmations. And I appreciate you. I feel so renewed. I feel like, you know, we should all write down our positive affirmations and remember them and really look at, like you said, why I matter. Why am I here? Educate myself on that. And I think to your point from kids to adults, like we constantly have to feed our soul those affirmations because it does get tough. Right. And we want to be, I'm always a glass half full person and, and Mm -hmm. we have to continue to do that for ourselves so that we can be that we can be that for others. Truly. I couldn't agree more. Kim, I could go on and on. I see multiple versions of this, starting with us getting yeah. to Culver City once we cancel yes. distance with the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we end, we always like to ask um, really our guests about a product that they love that they're coveting. And it can be your own product. Mm-hmm. It can be any product. And I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you one, but then you give me one because okay. I have to say like, one of my favorite products for you is the Neutrogena wipes and they are, oh, I oh my, it. it's like, I, and I hate to be the cliche person, but let's be real. I am like so picky about my skincare. Like I use this, um, emu oil and this like emu soap, but I go to the emu ranch in Texas. It's a whole trip and it's a whole situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. I go to the emu ranch and get it like pure. So I'm super sensitive about that, but the wipe I'm like, oh yeah, a Neutrogena wipe, that is my, I literally have them by my bed. And now that you guys have the single packs, like the single oh. pack is life-changing. Life cha- the minis were great because you had the big one, the minis, but the singles, woo. Game changer on the go, which is so funny because I remember when I got the call being like, Neutrogena would like to interview you. It's the same thing. I was like, man, to work on that blue <laughs> white. I said the same thing. And when you tell people you work on Neutrogena, that is the first thing. Like, don't you ever get rid of those makeup wipes, right? <laughs> like, it's so funny. And that's why I laugh because it's like, it is such an iconic staple and how it really disrupted the industry. And now we need to disrupt it again because there's all these layers of, as you know, sustainability and what the wipe is and, you know, addressing those. Um, but it is true. It is a... That wife is every. They're literally everywhere around my house, like singles in every. My husband's like opening the glove box, and there's like singles falling out. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. They are literally they've taken over my life in terms of every fragrance free base business, the night calming, like every single one. I definitely have in my. Like I love those. That's why I was like, I, I was like, I just got to tell you the one that I want for you. Now you can share with me the one that you would really like to have. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think, no, there's so many great Neutrogena products. And, you know, I grew up crazy enough using Aveeno. So I like use mm-hmm. Aveeno through and through. My kids all had eczema when they were younger. So all yes. the like how they're great for sensitive skin and that colloidal oil oats and how they've been able to talk about that ingredient and the power of that ingredient has been amazing. So I always love working on brands that you will see literally all throughout my house in so many different forms. But you know what? Like I really am like trying to step outside and like understanding all these brands and that have been started out of a need of a white space of an opportunity just to really try to unpack like where it came from, like how they got to where they are and like, what do they really stand for? And I like to be working out more, but I don't because I'm like, Oh my God, now that like I can get my hair cut again, I'm like, I just got my hair cut. So vain. <laughs> and, but I'm like, but I still want to work out. Like I want to go with running and like hanging out with the kids. Mm-hmm. And someone put me onto this brand called Sunday to Sunday. 
Oh, Sunday to Sunday. Oh, my gosh. And people are like, what makes you, like, say that brand so much? I'm always, like, hyping it up. And I just think they just took it beyond the physical and they took it to the emotional. And they did that from the onset. And they really tapped into this thing of, like, black women feeling they can't work out and can't live this healthy life because their hair is their crown, right? And it speaks so much to who they are and... You know, I mean, for me, if I was to do my own hair, besides like going bald, it would take me two hours from start to finish to, to do it. And I don't have the time or the patience. And it just really thought of a thoughtful product line that really lends itself to all the the key issues that you want to deliver, you know, on your hair care, but still, you know, have a healthy lifestyle. And so for me, I just think how they tap into this emotional side of it and taking it even more and how they amplify putting their products to use with, you know, showing in workout videos and having real mm-hmm. testimonials. Right. Um, so for me, that's what I always am just like, just try it. Just like their Instagram is just fascinating to me. Truly, truly fascinating. So I that's one that. I would highly recommend, but don't you ever stop using those blue line whites. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely won't. And, and I love that. And I love like that mention. I mean, it goes back to everything that you said, understanding the consumer, the insights, the marketing, the storytelling. I think that is such a great example for both of my loved brands, my wife's, and then Sunday to Sunday is just phenomenal. So I appreciate you. I am so ready to sit down and look at my positive affirmations and to really, you know, give peace and space to make sure that the things are always bigger than me. Like I, I, that is going to be my go to, I'm going to be like, okay, so tell me how is it bigger yeah. How is it making me better? Like, yeah, how is it making me to the next level? I love it. Yes. And this has been I amazing, Kendra. This has like been so fun talking to you, and it's been great. And every week, I share an influencer I'm checking out. And once again, thanks to Kim's inspiration, make sure to follow Keenan Beasley. He's the founder of at my Sunday to Sunday Hair Care. So at Keenan Beasley. And with that. I always want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is everyone's path is so different. We must be able to help others. How will you help somebody new? So follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you next Sunday. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, coordinating producer Lauren Turner, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and Celessa Baker, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producers Ken Johnson, Andrew Kalb, and Omar Thompson. Find Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, Radio.com, or where you get your podcasts. Please follow, subscribe, and rate us business of the beat is a say it loud network production pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.